you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to Acts chapter 2. Very familiar passage of Scripture. And I want to talk to you this morning about the doors of Pentecost. The doors of Pentecost. And the doors that God will open at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, if you're there, shout amen. Verse 1, now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. There came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now look at verse 5. It's not up there, but I want to read this to you because the Lord has been dealing with me about this scripture all week. He said, Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And all week long, the Lord has just highlighted those words to me, every nation. And he said to me, he said, son, Pentecost is not just about the church. Pentecost is about the nations. It is about the nations. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed, marveled, saying to one another, look, for all these who speak, are all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each? In our own language in which we were born. They spoke in languages that was, they didn't know or understand. And those that were dwelling there heard in their own languages the places they'd come from, from the four corners of the Roman Empire, from every nation under heaven, the scripture says. They heard them speaking in that language. Now, go down to verse 40. And I want to read from there a couple of verses and then we'll get into the message. Well, let me go back to verse 39. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. About 3,000 souls were added to them. That was the result of this powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. We're living in extraordinary times. We're living in what the Apostle Paul defined as perilous times, dangerous times. Many national Christian leaders are declaring this to be a very different Pentecost season. I believe we've entered into a new kingdom era. Two very important scriptures that I've quoted to you over and over this year. There's scriptures for this year. One is found in Isaiah 43, 19. It'll be on the screen there. From the Passion Translation, it says, I am doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. We've been in a worldwide storm with COVID-19, and our, our nation is now in a storm because of the actions of, uh, of one rogue police officer in Minnesota, actually four police officers, where a man tragically and, and lost his life, and that shouldn't have happened. And we're seeing a, a battle being waged by the enemy. And listen, this is not a political battle. This is not just a human battle. This is a spiritual battle that's going on in our nation. There's a spirit that is driving this thing that is going on in 
our nation. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible refers to our enemy as an adversary. He's defined as a destroyer. He's called a liar. He's called a murderer. He seeks your demise and your destruction. And this battle we're engaged in today is over three things. This is what the battle's over. First of all, it's over worship. One of the very first conflicts in the Bible was over worship. When Adam, when Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel, their battle, their fight was over worship. Listen, we've had more wars over worship. The whole thing in the Middle East is over who's going to worship on the holy mountain. Worship, there's, this is one of the things that this war is over. And, and this week, the, the Supreme Court set a very dangerous precedent concerning freedom of religion when they sided with the governor of California and they said he can limit uh, worship gatherings. I'm telling you, that's a very dangerous precedent and those precedents set precedents for later on down the road. You better expect that the church in America is going to be persecuted in the days that lie ahead. You say, well, everything's going to get better. No, the Bible says in the last days evil men will wax worse and worse. We're going to be persecuted for our faith. Now, folks, if we can't come to church and live for God in times today where it's easy, think about when it's going to be difficult. Think about when we have to meet in secret. Think about when our very lives are threatened. I want to tell you, we better, we better get close to God in this hour and in this day. This is a conflict over worship. Secondly, it's over wealth. Wealth, this, this war is over wealth. The economy shut down. Who controls the economy? Who controls businesses? Who controls where money goes to? It's over wealth. And the enemy wants to keep you from your provision. He wants to keep you from your supply. And he wants to keep the church in a poverty structure and in a poverty mentality. And then third, this war is over power structure. Who's going to rule? Who's going to rule in this hour? Who's ruling your heart today? Who's ruling the kingdom of your heart today? What is God doing on this Pentecost? I'll tell you what he's doing. He is opening doors. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. We must war against the enemy at the door. In Isaiah 28, verse 6, it says, For a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Listen, the battle is at the gate. We've got to find the gate and turn the battle at the gate. Can somebody say amen? Doors in, 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 in Scripture represent seven things. I want you to see this here. Number one is entrance. Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. We must open the doors of our hearts today to the precious third person of the Trinity. Secondly, doors represent access. John 10 verse 7, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He says in that same passage, My sheep hear my voice. He's the door this morning. Listen, Jesus is the way out. He's the door. He's our escape. He's our rescue. He's our salvation. And we need to call on Him in this hour and know that Jesus Christ is able to make all grace abound toward us. Third is opportunity. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. Fourth is revelation and invitation. Revelation 4.1. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. The fifth thing is power. Doors represent power. Listen. 
in Acts 14, 27. It says here he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Number six is deliverance. Doors represent deliverance. Acts chapter 5, verse 19. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. Number seven is protection. Exodus 12, 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. I want to tell you we can put the blood on the doorpost of our hearts. We can put the blood on the doorpost of our homes. And the Bible says that the enemy can't cross over the bloodline. There's power in the blood and doors represent protection. Say amen. So Pentecost is about changing times and seasons. We've not been this way before. The children of Israel were following a cloud, but now they had to follow the ark. Before they could see a cloud by day and a fire by night. But now they had to focus on a very small piece of furniture that went into the Holy of Holies. And that was the Ark of the Covenant. They had to change their focus. And they had to change the way God led them. Pentecost is always about changing times and seasons. But I believe this Pentecost is about opening doors. I want to challenge you to pray for an open door of revelation. How do we navigate these times? Well, I want to go back to Revelation 4.1 where it says this. It says, After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me. Now listen, here's what he says. Come up here. Come up higher. Come up to where I'm at. God's calling us up this morning. He's calling us to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He's calling us up in Revelation. He's calling us up to the highest mountain. Come on. When he came down on the mountain on that first Pentecost with thundering and lightnings and all kinds of things. Listen, he said, I want you to come up to me. Listen, God wants you and I to come up this morning. He's calling us up to a place of revelation. He's calling us up to a place of deliverance. He's calling us up. Listen, and he said this, I heard a voice like a trumpet. A trumpet makes a distinct sound. When you know, when God's voice makes a distinct sound, you'll know it's his voice. I believe God's opening the door of revelation. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. Look at that scripture. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So we could call this Pentecost the Pentecost of the open door. God's opening a new way. He's doing something brand new, unheard of. Pentecost is the first fruit celebration of the harvest. It's about birthing. God is birthing us into a new day and into a new era. So the three doors that I want to share that God is opening in this Pentecost season, first of all, is a door of hope. A door of hope. If you want to see hopelessness, just turn on television. If you want to see people without hope, just turn on and and watch all that's going on in our world, and you'll see a world that is devoid of hope. But I want to tell you, we serve the God of hope. I love this scripture, Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Now listen to the last part of that scripture. By the power of the Holy Spirit. When the power of the Holy Spirit is released in your life, hope is released in your life. Pentecost is the fourth feast of seven feasts or appointed times that God appointed Israel to observe. They're called the feast of the Lord. That word feast comes from a Hebrew word that means appointed time. These are appointed times when God meets with his people. And Pentecost is a time of visitation. The first Pentecost took place on Mount Sinai in the wilderness. God visited his people. He came down on the mountain. He gave them the law. He established a covenant with his people. And when he meets with his people, he releases hope. Ephesians 1.18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint? God is opening a door of hope today. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. This is a very popular scripture. We've got it hanging on a plaque over one of the doors in our house. And I see it every single day that I go through that door. I see that scripture. And it's, we have it on plaques. We have it in frames. We have it on our calendars. We post it in our homes and on our offices. And we often quote these words during difficult seasons for comfort and hope. But I've come with good news today. I've come to offer you hope in the midst of hopelessness. The world has nothing to offer you but hopelessness and despair. But Pentecost is a great a day of great joy and a great day of great hope. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. God is not bound by our circumstances. God's not bound by what's happening in the earth. We must hold fast the confession of our hope because he is faithful. Isaiah 40, 31, and I want to read it from, a, from the New International Version. But those who hope in the Lord. In most translations, it'll say those who wait on the Lord. But I saw this and I thought, man, I love this. It says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Where's your hope today? Where's your hope today? Have you lost your hope? The Holy Spirit wants to visit you today and renew your hope. Those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Are you ready to move through your door of hope today? Secondly, they're doors of harvest. There's a harvest to reap. Galatians 6, 7 through 9, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. So I was studying this this week. That, those words, due season, just, st just stood out to me. What is due season? Well, let me read this scripture from a different translation, from the New Living Translation. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up due season is an appointed time it is a set time to reap a harvest Pentecost is an appointed time for harvest it's due season listen to what God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 18:4. is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now, why is God saying that to Abraham? Because Abraham is up in years. Abraham's trying to figure out whether he's going to try to stay at home or go, go live in the assisted living. At the appointed time, I will return to you. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will not speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come to pass. This is our appointed time. 
We're into a harvest season. We've sown, but now it's time to reap our harvest. What does the harvest have to do with Pentecost? Well, one of the names for Pentecost is the Feast of the Open Heavens. Pentecost celebrates the wheat harvest, and it's time to thank God for his physical provision because our provision comes from the harvest. In Genesis 26, verse 12, Isaac sowed in a time of famine, and he reaped in that same year a hundredfold. What is our harvest? Acts 16.31 says our harvest is household salvation. Anybody need your family saved? That was a weak amen. Anybody need your family saved? Well, what does that say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. You and your household. Look at those words down at the bottom. Your household. Your household. Noah didn't take part of his family into the ark. Took his whole family in the ark. This is, see, when we, sometimes we think we're going to read, we're just going to get money. We, we've reduced the gospel sometimes down to just carnal things. Listen, God's bigger than all of that. My inheritance is my family being saved. My, my harvest is far more than that. It's household salvation. Listen, I'm standing and believing God for families to be saved. Prodigals come home. Come home in the name of Jesus. Come home. There's some prodigals watching us today online. It's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come home to Jesus. Some of you were raised in church. Some of you went to church when you were little. Some of you had an experience with God, but you got hurt in church because church is not perfect. Because church don't, is not always perfect and you got wounded and you got hurt and you ran away from God. But God's been calling you home and calling you back. It's time to come home in Jesus' name. I'm declaring that our families are being saved in the name of the Lord. Our harvest is joy. Joy. Say, Pastor, you got a scripture for that? Thank you for asking. Psalms 126.5, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Had a lot of tears in your life? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You had grief in your life? You had pain in your life? You had difficulty in your life? It's harvest time. I said, it's harvest time. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. God's releasing harvest angels. Think about that. Harvest angels. When God's moving, there'll always be angelic activity. In Romans 14, I'm sorry, in Revelation 14, 15, here's what it says. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Mm. The harvest of the earth is ripe. So the nations are our harvest. Psalms 2 8, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of your earth for your possession. So God is opening a door of harvest, a door of hope, a door of harvest. But the third door that God is opening is a door of power. Acts 1 8, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That picture there is a picture of the Hartwell Dam. I've been inside that. I've toured that dam. I've been down inside of it. In that dam are big turbines and things, man. And when that water runs through, it moves and it generates power and electricity. And that electricity is just spread out 
to different places. It, it goes some, I believe it may go out to Atlanta and that area, and it helps light homes. It provides power for people to, to have air conditioning, for people to have electricity in their homes. It, there's a power that's released and generated as those waters. And I, I've seen the videos when they open up a couple times a year, they'll open up those, those floodgates and they'll make sure they all work and they'll test them. And there's a roar that comes when they open those things up. The power of that thing. I'm not talking about the power, man-made power. I'm talking about a power that exceeds that. The Holy Spirit empowers you for the work of the kingdom. When God descended on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, verse 16 through 19, he put his power on display. Look at verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. God sends your power so that we will tremble in your presence. What happened in the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Well, verses 2 through 4 says this. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. This, this wasn't just a sound. This morning I, I heard sirens in our neighborhood. and I looked out and about three houses up there were two fire trucks. I don't know what that was about and don't have any idea why. And in a little while they just left. They pulled off and left. But I heard them. I heard the noise of it. I heard the sound of it. This was a whirlwind that blew through that city that day. It was a noise that got the attention of everybody. A sound. It says as of a rushing mighty wind. This wasn't a breeze. This wasn't a calm breeze on a summer day. This was a mighty rushing wind. And there were tongues of fire that set upon each of the 120 in the upper room. Tongues of fire. I don't believe it was just a fire. I've seen pictures where there's just a fire over. I believe that it was a fire that consumed them, and I believe they glowed as a result of that fire. It wasn't a natural fire. It wasn't a fire like we know. It was the fire of God, which is his glory, and they radiated, I believe, the glory of God on that day. May we radiate the glory of God. Do it again. Open the heavens, O oh God. Come down in our midst. Put your power on display. Let us, let us be warmed in your presence and let the wind of God blow. Let there be a hurricane wind that comes, a wind of your spirit, Lord, that uproots everything that needs to be uproots, that removes everything that needs to be removed and brings what needs to be brought to us in the name of the Lord. God's releasing power today. He's opening a door of power. And when God releases power in our lives, it's not so we can wear a badge that says, I'm powerful. Hallelujah. It's not for spiritual pride. It's not to, to, to make us proud of our pedigree or who we are, but it's, it's not to brand us in a sense, but it is to make us effective witnesses to a lost and dying world. We become bold in the things of God. You know what the world needs today? They need an encounter with God. You say, well, they won't come to church to get an encounter with God. Well, why don't the church go to them? The next time you're at a restaurant and the Holy Spirit gives you a word of knowledge for that person that's coming to take your order, give them the word of knowledge that God has given to them and let them encounter the power of God right there in the restaurant. I've had more church in Cracker Barrel than I have sometimes in church. You can prophesy in Cracker Barrel, I promise. And look, you don't have to stand up on the table. You don't have to carry your big black Bible in under your arm. 
You don't have to go in there and say, Hallelujah, I'm here to give you the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. No. Just say, you know, we, get, we were just praying before we came in here. And I just feel like I want to share something with you. And the anointing that's on the inside of you gets released. And it meets with them. And what happens? Something in their life changes. They may be going through a divorce. They may have a child that's at home that they don't know what to do with. We have opportunities in the grocery store. We have neighbors. We have people in our lives. But listen, let God use you. Let the power of God touch you to be a bold, effective witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. God will give you a word. God will give you, God will give you something to share with somebody that will bless them. Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says that the power of God makes us bold in the word. Listen to what it says there. It says they spoke the word of God with boldness. Listen, God raised up some people on the news. Raise up some people on Fox and CNN and MSNBC and CBS. And let them boldly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let them boldly declare that what's going on in our nation is not a political issue. It's not even a, a, a social issue, but it is a spiritual issue. And we get to the root of it in the name of the Lord. We need to be bold in the things of God. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, it brings the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says it enables us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same scripture says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. You want to overcome fear? Get full of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24 says we, it enables us to exalt God in worship. Man, there's no other worship on the earth like spirit-filled worship. We're supposed to be a spirit-filled people. It's time for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we don't just need to be filled one time. You say, well, Pastor, I got filled 10 years ago, or I got filled five years ago. We need subsequent refillings. We need to encounter God in our daily walk. We need to be in refilled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Why? Because we're leaky vessels, and we leak. We're broken vessels, and out of the brokenness of our lives, sometimes we leak. We encounter the devil. We encounter the world. We encounter the flesh. And sometimes we need to come together in a corporate setting where the Spirit of God is moving, and we need to encounter the Holy Spirit and let Him fill us again, let Him refill us again, till we overflow with His presence. This empowerment begins when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. God is opening a door of hope, a door of harvest, and a door of power. Why do I need to experience it? Well, number one, it's going to make you a bold, effective witness for Christ. Number two, it's going to give you the power that you need to overcome the enemy. Number three, it's going to stir a greater hunger in your heart for the things of God. Number four, it's going to open you up to the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a way that you've never known before. Think about that. The, holy, the gifts of the Spirit are not for people who have reverend or doctor or bishop or prophet or apostle or all that in front of them. The gifts of the Spirit is for the church. And they're not just for the church house. They're for your house. I can't tell you how many times I've needed a word of wisdom from God when I'm in a circumstance. didn't know which way to go or which way to move. can tell you how many times 
I've needed a word of confirmation, and God would use somebody to give me a word of confirmation. See, God's concerned about every detail of our life. He's concerned about us. He's concerned about our medication. He's concerned about the things that touch our life. He's concerned about, about, about the things that we're concerned about. We tend to limit God in so many ways and separate out and say, well, that's secular and this is spiritual. Everything part of our life is, has to, a spiritual element to it. And God wants you to talk strong. And here's one reason you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need a prayer language. Jude verse 20 says, Praying in the Holy Spirit, building up your most holy faith. We've been working in this place all week. I've been walking around this building praying in the Holy Ghost. I've just walked up and down these aisles praying in the Spirit. What am I doing? I'm trying, I'm stirring up the gift. I'm stirring up the gift. I'm praying in the Spirit. Why? Because the Bible said the Spirit knows the mind of God. He knows how to pray. So I'm just partnering with Him, and I'm letting Him partner with me. He gives me the words. I do the speaking, but what happens? There's something released in supernatural power in our midst. And I've been walking these aisles praying and just listening and saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. God wants to open a door of hope. Got any hopeless situations? You got anything in your life today where you've lost hope? And you need the hope again? Get your hopes up. If you've ever been wounded, if you've ever been hurt, if you ever walked through something that's hard, sometimes you want to pull back and say, I'm not getting my hopes up because I've been disappointed before. Anybody need to get your hopes up this morning? Secondly, there's a door of harvest. Anybody ready to harvest some things? You've sown much, but you haven't reaped out of what you've sown. But you've got to sow to reap. You can't get a harvest if you haven't sown. But let me tell you about the harvest. When you sow, you always get back more than you sowed. Hallelujah. It's harvest time. And then the third thing God wants to do is he wants to release a new power in your life. Stand with me.